Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to I, The Show, the podcast where we talk about anything and everything. I'm Brady. And I'm Katie. And today we're talking about cryptozoology and its number one star, Bigfoot. The myth. The monster. The man? The monster truck? No, that's Gravedigger. Everybody knows that. Oh, I'm so ashamed right now. So what have you been up to this week? I don't even know what I've been up to this week. I mean, time is a flat circle, as Matthew McConaughey would say. All right, all right, all right. So what have you been up to this week, Katie? Well, you can currently smell what I did this week. Every morning, I have to get up and harvest lavender because lavender is a crop that I grow here on the farm, and it's all ready all at once, which makes my life really exciting for about three or four days of the year, where I have to cut 300 plants all between the hours of usually 7 and 10 because you don't want to cut lavender for bud after 10. Long story short, I am sort of tired, but I smell nice. Oh. How about you? Well, it is a very relaxing vibe in here, thanks to the lavender that you've cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, all I really did was basically take care of all the children all day, every day. Really? It never ends. It never <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy it, don't get me wrong, but, you know, they can be a bit of a hassle. A hassle? Yeah. I wouldn't know anything about that. I don't have children running around at all that are the size of small Sasquatches, which, speaking of Sasquatch... Oh boy. Yeah, we're going to talk about that big fella. He may be the biggest name in the game, but we're actually going to be talking about all of cryptozoology and why everybody is so obsessed with it. Well, you know what that means. It's time for I Digress. All right, Bigfoot, Chupacabra, Mothman, Dogman. Do you have any others you might want to add to the list? No, I think you covered it. Yeah, cryptozoology is a, is actually a vast subject, I didn't realize. Well, I didn't either, and I honestly don't really care about it. I know that probably sounds terrible, considering that we're recording an episode on it, but the reason that I want to even talk about it is I'm married to someone that is obsessed with it. Oh, yeah. I'm probably an expert at passive listening when it comes to Bigfoot and cryptozoology podcasts and YouTube videos, because I've probably literally listened to subconsciously or passively millions of hours of bigfoot things and i'm not even exaggerating (laughs) do you have dreams about him at all oh yeah big hairy dreams no i (laughs) it's like (laughs) no i mean bigfoot not your husband (laughs) oh god okay we're not gonna go there so it's just the thing is is i didn't realize what a huge realm it was cryptozoology it's they call it a pseudoscience but some people really this is their entire life like tom watches people that literally walk around in the woods with a GoPro and they talk all sorts of metaphysical stuff about Bigfoot because apparently with Bigfoot since we're talking about him there is a three-prong belief system there Mm. are people that believe that he is a metaphysical or alien being that has magical superpowers and then there are people that believe that Bigfoot is an ape you know of the primate family and then there are people that believe that Bigfoot is a humanoid and and then in between all those beliefs there's like all of these sub- beliefs and it gets and so i think that's part of the reason why there's such a big disconnect in an overall unification of cryptozoology is because everybody has their own opinion yeah and it isn't even just bigfoot like uh just look at the whole thing with the loch ness monster for example nessie yeah everybody claims they've seen him they go like millions of tourists go there and i mean does anybody really see anything because i don't personally think Loch Ness Monster is real because they have done extensive dives and stuff over there in that lake and mm-hmm. really haven't really found any evidence at all. But with Bigfoot, people find these artifacts, if you want to call them that, mm-hmm. and, you know, they pretty much boast it as absolute proof that Bigfoot's real because this stick is bent a certain way. Oh, yeah, those are structures. Like, I've been educated on what a structure is, you know, 
I just see stuff broken down in the woods and I think snowstorm. But apparently Bigfoots use those. They rip stuff out of ground and make structures as a way to show directions or that they've been there or let family groups know things. And I feel like I've just been left out of all this cool stuff. I didn't know this. I grew up in the woods my entire life. And I'm not going to be as arrogant to say that nothing does exist out there. I've had a few experiences of weirdness myself. But the way that people have idolized this creature that we've never really seen... But then I also don't want to be mean to people who have had experiences because that's basically saying a person's lying and it's, that's kind of a douche move too, right? Yeah, especially when something's unfalsifiable like that. I mean... Yeah, I mean, how do you even... I don't know. Uh, Bigfoot is fascinating though and I think a lot of people are fascinated for, I'm sure, a vast number of reasons. I think though, personally, that people want him to be real more than anything because it just makes the world a more interesting place probably. It makes it seem like we haven't seen everything there is to see and studied everything there is to study here on Earth, you know. Well, we do Aside from the ocean, sorry. Well, that's cool. And we discover new species every day. So to say that these folklore, you know, and that is another thing. There are in every, I'm pretty sure every North American, at least, native tradition, there is a legend of a big, hairy man. Yeah. So it's been passed down orally through many generations so i can't say that oh it doesn't exist it's like well let's call them a liar and then i know that oral tradition can sometimes get convoluted but there was some reason that they had this creature of folklore and maybe that's folklore i sometimes think folklore exists to make people feel special about themselves if you walk into a group of people and be like yeah i totally saw this bigfoot and that makes you kind of stand out and be special right well is that kind of like the big fish thing where whenever you're fishing you know you got to boast i caught like a 30 foot fish well and you think about that i come from a family of people that if you get us in a group of people, there are certain ones that just have to outdo everybody on the talking scale. I mean, they stack the bovine fecal matter so high. <laughs> I, yeah. And and I do we do have some pretty big stories because you know, and you and I both grew up in the Pacific Northwest, so which is why we were probably probably gravitating towards Bigfoot. That is our big folklore monster for this region. Yeah. I guess he's everywhere. I didn't know that. Like. Tom watches people in Pennsylvania stomp around the woods for hours looking for signs of Bigfoot. And it just blows my mind that people will sit for hours and watch people stomp through the deciduous forest looking for something that no one, you know, at least on visible record has seen. Isn't that crazy? Well, it's that suspense like, I might have to sit through this half hour video just to get a glimpse of something that's out of this world at least to the normal. Ooh, and this is an I digress moment because that's talking about something else too, to be the one that discovers or sees something and then that watching scary things or unverifiable things, you know, what does that yeah. do for us as humans? It makes, yeah, ooh. Okay, we could go somewhere else with that one. Yeah. Oh, we can yeah. always go somewhere else with that one. Yeah. Um, people love to get that social credit because they found something new or they saw a YouTube video that nobody else saw because it's sitting there in the fringe and they're the ones that say, I found the Bigfoot video. This one actually shows him. And then it gets viral on social media. Oh, and so then the, the show fights and... ensue. The fights ensue. <laughs> then the comments happen. Yeah. So the show and tell factor sticks with us our whole lives. Yeah. Like we get validation because we find the new thing. Yeah. Well, we have show and tell in elementary school here in America. And, uh, That's true. I, you know, everybody wants to have the biggest, best thing to show off and show and tell, you know, when you're a kid. I mean, of course that, you know, progresses to adulthood. So you're saying maybe if you got hugged more that cryptozoology wouldn't be a thing? <laughs> it might actually be worse. Oh God. Look, mom, <laughs> I got Bigfoot right here. Yeah. He's on my YouTubes. Well, it's just, 
I and I like people. Okay, and maybe that's because it's not my passion. It's just sometimes I look at what he's watching or listening to, and I think, why are you wasting your time on this? Even if they do exist, and you're out there, you're spending hours of your life listening to some guy crunch around and be like, oh, this structure right here, he's totally got his family unit. It's like they're in his head, and I crack. I'm sorry, I start laughing because for some dude to be out, because it's usually dudes. There yeah. are some ladies, but it's usually dudes to be out there, and he's like, Bigfoot told this right here in the structure and he's right over there and he's whispering about it like the guy is literally over there and i'm like if bigfoot does exist he's just having the biggest laugh at our expense yeah because we're like these bunch of little primates oh look at that guy over there it's just crazy to me Uh, you gotta ask yourself though if bigfoot does exist like what what are we like to them like do they fear us or do they know they're more powerful well i I always kind of wondered that like i don't know and like my experience maybe i should talk about it um I have lived on places on this planet where no humans have ever been. And so the animals actually act different. Like in Alaska, we had to fly in on the plane over the glacier the size of Rhode Island. It's a very, very remote area. And the animals there were completely different than most animals here have been trained. They're scared of humans. They don't want to be around. The animals there come right up to you. And so I never saw anything there. But it also taught me that there's a whole big world out there that no one's seen. Even as though there's billions of us on this planet, there are parts of it that have not been reached yet. So I can't just sit here and say, oh, Bigfoot doesn't exist, or Wolfman's a myth, or, you know, or Dogman, or whatever it is. So I, I guess when I, I was hiking a couple years ago, we went to the end of Upper Priest Lake, and there's a place there called Navigation, and it's just the end of the trail, there's no people forever, and it was completely silent. So I called it nature, Nature's Crypt, because no bugs, no squirrels, no anything. Well, I was laying there in a hammock in the middle of the night, and a bear came up. And he was sniffing around me. My friends called me the soft taco. Thankfully, obviously, I'm still sitting here, so he didn't eat me. But that's just because I grew up with bears, and I didn't want to shoot him. But he went on his way, but then something whooped. And this whoop is not, you know, because wild cats, they'll talk. They mm. chirp. But this was more of a, it was some almost humanoid, and everything for miles just went completely silent. And yeah. I'm thinking, and this howling. And so that was my experience. I was like, okay, it's not something I've ever heard before. It doesn't mean it wasn't some person or animal or anything but it did sound kind of freaky and my friend obviously slept through it so <laughs> couldn't have any very and i think that's the thing with bigfoot. there's never any witnesses is there? that's the thing is it like maybe bigfoot is an alien because there's never any witnesses <laughs> i don't know what do you think <laughs> i i don't know i mean that's the thing about cryptozoology is you cannot say yes it exists or no it doesn't exist because again it's unfalsifiable without any kind of proof on either side of the fence there and so it becomes basically just myths and i mean that's really all there is to it in my opinion but only because i haven't seen anything like that myself i've never had a ufo encounter i've never seen a chupacabra Mm. you know i've never been out in the woods then i lived out in stevens county in the in the middle of the woods for like months and Nothing out of the ordinary, you know, coyote sounds all night and Mm -hmm. stuff like that, you know, big bugs, but never any kind of Bigfoot stuff or anything else out of the ordinary. I don't really know what else would be up here. There's not many other cryptozoology tales from around this region, but it's just, you know, I've personally never had an encounter, if you will. I, but I have also fallen into the trap at 3 a.m. watching YouTube going down the Bigfoot rabbit hole. Well, yeah, and it's fascinating. It is. It gets you sucked in, even if you don't believe. You start to see these weird little things that other people experience, and on camera, 
Mm -hmm. And if you're not exactly a forestry expert, you probably don't have any frame of reference for what you're seeing. So it's like, oh, that's, wow, what? How did a person do that? Oh, that's the big thing. Like, how did a person uproot this tree and stick it in an X? You know, they, they use that as a lot of their proof I've listened to over the yeah. years with his... And, and, and I don't want to doubt anybody's story because my initial reaction is I'm kind of skeptical on a lot of things, but when it comes to people's eyewitness testimony, I know that is what they experienced. And so that made an impact on them, and I am kind of would be a total jerk if I just discounted that. Yeah. Now, yeah, you can't completely discount anybody's eyewitness accounts because they are telling you exactly what they experienced however they're imputing a explanation to it which is usually something kind of metaphysical well and i think <laughs> like that ghost this... stories are very oh yeah very like that like all those paranormal things like oh, people digress. might actually experience these unexplainable phenomenon and the only frame of reference we have is like ghost stories to relate it to so we go oh that seems like a ghost story i must have saw a ghost so I I want to say it's probably the same thing with Bigfoot. You you're out in the forest camping. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're from like the city mainly, and you don't go out in the forest as often as like me and you do because we pretty much live out here. Yeah, there are trees out there. And so something weird happens, or you hear a sound that you've never heard before, and the only frame of reference you have is maybe movies or something, or people other people's tales about it. And so that's immediately what your brain is going to say. Okay, that's an explanation. Our brains automatically have to put an explanation to things we can't explain. It's just something we have. It's an impulse. Well, and so yeah. I think, you know, a lot of that stuff probably is happening to them, the, the encounter itself. But I don't want to say the explanation that they come up with is always true. So you can't completely discount what people are saying when they have a, an experience. Well, I think a conversation on eisegesis and exegesis comes in here. Because exegesis is to lead out. You're supposed to lead out the explanation where eisegesis is to read into it. Mm. And I think that a lot of people read into a lot of things these days. Like, they'll see a structure, for instance. You know, they talk about the X-shaped tree formations. And they'll read into it that that's Bigfoot put that there so that, you know, it can let a family group know. or well, For whatever reasons. I'm not an expert on it at all. And so I'm thinking, are you reading into it, or is there an actual other explanation for it? You know what I'm talking about, like reading yeah. into things. Yeah. Well, okay. So that's I kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit ago, and I forgot. So you see all those things like that X, right? Mm -hmm. Honestly, it doesn't matter how it got there. Although sometimes it's like you really do wonder. But I think what's really more intriguing is why. Mm -hmm. something or someone would put that X there. And we come up with these stories in our head about it. And, of course, as a human, we can't think of a human reason. Like, why is there just this random sticks put in an X? The way they're broken is weird. You know, so we're going we're gonna to come up with something not human to explain it. So we're storytelling. Yeah, and because I think it's fun as well to say, oh, well, this has to be Bigfoot. Like we were just talking about earlier, you, you have to be the first one to discover something. True. Validation. Yeah, validation. So... I, I think that's more intriguing as to why instead of how. Well, and then you have the storytelling aspect. We're all storytellers, and that's how we make sense of the world. And I wonder, you know, folklore, <laughs> you have these things. What You're laughing. It's just funny to me. I don't know. The, the storytelling thing? Yeah, because, I, I mean, we're all guilty. We are. Well, we're all guilty of that. We always have to. There's always a slight exaggeration no matter what you're saying or telling people. And oh. I don't know why we do that. That's also an impulse. My last name should totally be embellishment. <laughs> I just... Yes. I... Well, and that's just, like I said, come by that, honestly, the the amount of embellishment done in my family, like yesterday we had this birthday party for my dad and we sat there for five hours. The the level of embellishment makes 
makes the story better. And then that's yeah. another thing with Bigfoot or any of these creatures is the embellishment. What is it helping us remember? What Because that's folklore was designed usually to tell a story, to entertain. They didn't have computers, TVs, and stuff. So you kind of brought up ghost stories. That has been how humans, you know, bards, songs, singers, all of those things have been how we've entertained ourselves. So is yeah. it a form of entertainment or is it real life? I don't know. Well, humans are definitely very good storytellers. There's something about us. Maybe it was from evolving without social media. Oh, dang. Or, the, you know. the dark ages. Um, you know, okay. I think it it boils down to, the, I think, the way our brain works. Okay, don't get me wrong. I'm not an expert. But the way our brain works is we take input from the vibrations around us. Mm-hmm. That's all our sensory organs do is pick up vibrations, whether it's the frequency of light or the frequency of sound um, or just, you know, like being touched with something solid there the particles are still vibrating your nerves pick up on that and they pick up on how close those particles are together uh anyway um it takes those inputs and basically it's all chaotic until it's processed through our brain our brain puts a story to it in a sense i guess and that's kind of what creates the reality around you and that's kind of how i understand it anyway okay but so naturally we're telling a story about the you know the input we're getting from the world around us so we're going to be extremely good at communicating that with our mouths. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you got to imagine the earlier peoples sitting around campfires every night. And that's what they did because we didn't have television or radio. That, that's a very recent thing. Mm-hmm. So think about the thousands of years people were sitting there around a campfire every night because that's how you kept warm. It's how you cooked your food back then. And you're just telling stories. And um, I heard somewhere that there's... In some tribes, it was like whoever could have the best stories, they were like, there was an honor to it, telling a good story. And then, of course, I think that just evolved and we started writing down those stories, you know, and that's where we get like fictional books. And then, we, you know, obviously it always progressed from there into like doing television or plays. We had plays for a while. It just occurred to me that YouTube is a digital campfire. Yeah, essentially YouTube is a digital campfire. I think that's... That's why there's such a proclivity for podcasts recently. Everybody's really getting into listening to just people talk Mm -hmm. instead of being scripted like, you know, CNN. Well, and I hate scripted because I think scripted, you lack creativity. You you have to, you're trying to be more for informational purposes only. And if like what we're doing right now, it's more of a discussion. We want to see what we can learn and what we can bring out of the discussion about, you know, my thoughts are obviously maybe different than your thoughts Mm -hmm. on cryptozoology I love, okay, I was pretty much a pegasus my entire childhood. I flew everywhere I went. I loved mythical creatures. So the mythical creature aspect of cryptozoology, I absolutely adore. It's that when it translates over into, this is fact because I saw this stickling over here. It's like, well, I feel like that could be done about anything. I could say, well, I want centaurs to be real. And there is a historical record for all sorts of wacky creatures. And so if I could make up this whole mythos... And then go find evidence for it. So I think the scientific method has a, a place in this too. It's like... Yeah. Well, have you ever heard like uh, a very, let's say, a very scientific expert talk about cryptozoology at all? It puts me to sleep. Most of the time they won't. And if they do, they're not really even... They're not even really implying that it's real. But like any regular person that talks about it, it's always so fantastical. And it's not just Bigfoot. Any Anything like centaurs, like you were just saying. Mm-hmm. We always go to this fantastical version of what we're talking about. You know, experts won't do that. They're going to sit there and lay out all these facts. And it doesn't matter about that, mostly, as far as what I'm talking about. But 
back to storytelling again. Mm-hmm. It's we want to make it entertaining, you know, even if it is a boring story of us just sitting in the woods. And that's kind of what makes me not understand those videos on YouTube. Because I have sat through many of them for like, some of them are an hour long. It's people going through the woods. Mm-hmm. There's not even any kind of fantastical stuff going on there. It's it's really just like, am I going to see something? I don't know. What this, this guy seems to think he sees something, but I didn't see it. Did it? And then you go back and you look and you're like, no, there's nothing there. Is there something? Or you have all those blurry videos. Mm-hmm. Those are the most fascinating because it's like, what am I seeing? Well, Is it faked? I don't know. It looked pretty. How could you fake that? There's all that stuff like that. Well, and I think that brings up we live in the era of forgery. You can forge anything, so it makes it even harder to, you know, know what's real and what's not real. Yeah. Uh, a perfect example of that. I think it was the History Channel or the Discovery Channel. One of them put out a documentary about mermaids. And it was very convincing, and they did a lot of research, and the way they worded everything was very well written. And it was very convincing that mermaids were real. I don't know if you've ever saw that. If you have not, it is very worth checking out. I don't remember exactly what it's called right now. If I find it, I'll link it in the description. Okay. But, like, it was amazing. And for the longest time, I I went down this rabbit hole. Oh, my God, mermaids are real. It's like a a leftover species that we evolved from or something. So that's what the kind of the case they were making in the documentary. Like, we must have started out... Like, we all know that... We're some kind of a water-based creature at some point, you know, and then we some crawled us... on land, if you, if you believe evolution theory. Um, you know, and so, but some people were saying that it's mermaids that we came from. Like, I don't know. But anyway, my point is that this documentary became very convincing, and a lot of people believed it, and they even had the uh, NOAA, the National Oceanic, uh, whatever that company, or that division of the government it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, they were supposedly saying there was a reward for any actual evidence of of mermaids and we're talking about like the governing entity and i don't know if that part specifically was real uh it came out later down the road that uh, that whole documentary was a kind of a a mockumentary realistically it was just it didn't it wasn't done in the style of parody like you would normally see it was seriously presented and people well and that's just it in this day and age i think you could pick almost anything and then find some experts and you can make a convincing case that something is real. And so how do you decipher between that? Do you just have faith? Because I don't doubt the faith of some of these people or their experiences that are obsessed with Bigfoot. Because I'm like you, I don't want to watch an hour video of someone tromping through the woods. To me, it makes no sense. And that doesn't mean that I don't discount that my husband or anybody else that watches it enjoys it. And yeah, the blurry video and all this stuff. It's like, well, that's great and well, but maybe you should just take a hike out there and experience it for yourself. Because if something's out there, you spend enough time out there, you're going to see something. And there are plenty of people who spend most of their life out in just the bush, I guess you can call it. Mm -hmm. And they probably don't even see anything out of the ordinary, but they also just know every little sound that everything makes and, and what it is. And I think it's mostly the people who don't have a lot of experience out in the forest that hear that kind of stuff. Well, I'm not sure, though. I don't want to just like make a blanket statement like that, because I'm sure there have been a lot of people who spend a lot of time in the woods who have seen things like, uh, I'm sure I, I think I heard Tom talking about that once, where he might have heard something or seen something himself. And he spends quite a bit of time out in the forest. Well, and I think that's part of the problem, is that there's this idea that you can't have a verifiable experience unless you're you know, a mountain man or you spend your time out there. It's like, how do you get authority 
to share your experiences with people and have people take you seriously as an expert when there's no centralized authority or generalized authority for any of this. Yeah. That makes it really yeah, complicated. It, it is a little complicated. Like, cryptozoology itself doesn't really have an authoritative, like, group, I guess. Well, they call it a pseudoscience. So yeah, it's a pseudoscience. They don't even get their own, like, attribution as a scientific, a valid scientific branch of you know, study of human knowledge. It's kind of sad, I guess. Because yeah. some people devote their whole life to it. Well, I guess they devote their whole life to studying aliens, too. Yeah, and uh, I definitely want to do an episode about aliens. Um, but, you know, there's even an authoritative... of There's an authoritative group with aliens. Have you ever heard of the UFO conventions and all that stuff? Oh, I went to the UFO I, I think they're more like... They're more like self-appointed, realistically... But even our government has programs to deal with that, you know. But there's not really a national Bigfoot like association or whatever, as far as I know. And maybe there is, there, and they just I don't mean, get I'm a lot sure, of press. Maybe, maybe there is, you actually. I have never looked, personally. But if there is, I've never heard of them. Well, and, like, I went to the UFO Museum in Roswell last winter. Yeah. Fascinating place. But even they... <laughs> It's not a comprehensive museum, so to speak. Like, when you go to one of, like, the Museum of Art and Culture, you're going to have a dedicated study of art and culture. Whereas when you go to the UFO Museum, they have both a confluence of parody of UFO and, like, the history of it in our culture and then what they actually had their, the actual landing and that stuff. But there was, it's like something's missing. I don't know how to, I don't know how to. That's a good point, yeah. There's something missing there. It's almost like they aren't taking themselves seriously, but they are. There's an actual library in that museum. It was fascinating. Well, look at just the tourism around Roswell. No, man. It's not taken completely seriously, but there's something there that everybody claims to see, and this is kind of similar to cryptozoology. I don't know if aliens count as cryptozoology, because they're not even part of the Earth, so I don't know. I don't really know how that exactly falls in as far as categorically, but my point is, like, there there is that myth there, and Mm -hmm. it's kind of in the culture of that area. Um, around the desert where there's Area 51 and there's the Roswell crash that supposedly happened and all this supposed evidence of UFO and sightings all over the world. It's not even just here in North America. Like, the whole world is claimed to see UFOs. Yeah. And um, I have to segue into the whole world also talks about Bigfoot mm-hmm. to a certain degree. You got, like, tales of yetis and there's always something. Or down towards Mexico, you have the Chupacabra. So cryptozoology is a worldwide phenomenon. It oh, is each region has that's something. another thing fascinating about it. Every region has some kind of thing that they see somewhere out in the whether it's out in the jungle or out in the forest or blah blah blah. There's all these legends mm-hmm. of these things that I think they uh, impute a little bit of a sense of danger to it too. It's mystical, but there's a da- there's a dangerous aspect well, to all these tales too. Like yeah. nobody wants to go get like. Mauled to death by a Bigfoot, and nobody wants to get abducted by aliens, and nobody wants to get their child eaten by a chupacabra. Well, is that what folklore was for? Is a lot of the old lessons from old cultures was to keep you in line so yeah. that something didn't happen to you. And then has it just evolved out of it that now it's just a fascinating thing, a way for our brains to make sense of things that don't make sense? And so people have clubs and groups of people that, hey, I think this is cool, and I want to be part of a club that. <laughs> I don't know. Is it a sense of belonging that when you have an experience, you become part of a better group of people? It's it's really weird. Yeah, maybe it, because it puts you into a smaller category of people. Like, I'm one of the ones that saw Bigfoot or whatever. Yeah. I, and it could I be don't... that too. I mean, but maybe it's also just because it is fun to have that little bit of uh, what did I see or what did I just experience 
and then try to c- kind of come up with an explanation and then maybe you tell people and they believe you and you get that validation, that social credit, like, hey, he's that guy that saw Bigfoot. Hey, tell him about the Bigfoot story. Well, yeah, social credit makes yeah. sense. And and I think you and I are perfect to be talking about this because we're almost talking about it. We don't, we don't discount it. And we also are not experts on it and don't spend hours looking at it. We're kind of just two people that are talking about something that is definitely a phenomenon in our culture and I think world culture. But also, I I am interested in it. I'm interested in why the psychology of it. Why are people so obsessed with this? Because I feel like the obsession is growing. And is that because of the internet and podcasts and YouTube or... I'm sure that's part of More it. More leisure time? That's got to be an element. I think, yeah, the leisure time has probably something to do with it. More and more people are probably having unexplainable experiences. Okay. And then there's more and more talk about it on these podcasts and shows on TV and the YouTube. So that you get more of that like, okay, maybe it is that that I saw because I saw it on YouTube for six hours. That's or something. True. You know what I mean? Like, I I'm... don't exactly know... I don't really know why exactly we are so obsessed with cryptozoology, but it seems like we always have been. We have. Back when it was folklore, and now when it seems like more and more people are, I guess, confirming it as a possibility. Which, I guess, I guess, you know, we were talking about negativity last week. Maybe it's nice that people are becoming more open-minded about things and less... Oh, that doesn't exist. Because I also hate that mentality, too, that just because you can't quantify something, that it does not exist, it could never exist. It's like, well... You don't know that. Yeah. You know, at one time they said our appendix had no use. I mean, we always are learning <laughs> new things, right? Exactly. Um, that could be a big part of it, too, is the society as a whole, I think, is more open-minded in this day and age. Mm-hmm. It really is. Like, we're a lot more open to new ideas. You know, you have all these different activist movements going on because True. we're all more open-minded. We're trying to convince, I guess, the gatekeepers to be more open-minded if you will um and so this probably is it might be an element of that an expression of freedom that hey you can't tell me what i can think about this and you can't tell me that my experience wasn't valid exactly because i'm actually more interested in the why people are interested in this than the actual experiences themselves i don't know though they're they're fun to listen to they're very fascinating yeah I think what's way more intriguing is why we care so much. Yes, I'm so about other into people's that. experiences that we can't even validate are real. Well, you know, because you know, I spend a large part of my life listening to people and counseling people because they're having bad human experiences, and then I've noticed that there's this aspect where, and it's not just cryptozoology. I've found that people who are trying to make their way through this existence they tend to glom on to things that give them meaning. And it's fascinating to me that people love this branch of study so much and that that gives them meaning and purpose. Yeah. You know, I, I it's just an interesting... I thing. guess, like, yeah, just, okay, let me throw an example out there, or a, a scenario real quick. Like, you work your 9-to-5 job or whatever, so, like, okay, in, you know, input whatever there that you do, whatever mm-hmm. time you work, but you, you work your normal day job, okay? okay? Life's pretty boring for the most part, so maybe... A few exciting things on the weekends or days off or whatever. And something like unexplainable happens. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, yeah, your whole life just has this new meaning because you start having more wonder about things. You're like, oh my gosh. Oh, I love wonder. And the stories you can tell are a lot more interesting as far as, you know, the content. You're not just sitting there talking about, yeah, you know, I did this at work today. And blah, blah. It's the same old thing every single day. But then you have this just fantastic thing that happens to you completely unexplainable and you want to just talk about it with everybody so yeah you get 
more of a purpose to your life than just talking about what you do at work or at home every single day. Things get a little stagnant. So I think that could be a big part of it too. So the Bigfoot or cryptozoology experience that you may have had or see other people have is almost like the superhero story in your life. It's It brings the, the yeah. fun out of this world awesomeness that maybe that mundane existence has got you missing. Yeah. Well, I can dig that because we all kind of have our fantasy escapes. It's just the problem is is that it's, it's well, it's not even a problem. It's just it's not fantasy to, to most people that are really into it. Where it's like if you love Marvel movies... You know, you everybody would like to be a superhero, I, I imagine. We all want mystical, magical powers. And maybe having that mystical, magical experience with something that not everybody has seen is giving us that, like you said, that level of social credit. Okay, this is making more sense to me now. I yes. guess. I'm sorry. I just kind of went off on a tangent. Oh, that's there, okay. It, well, it's just, well, that's what this show is for. <laughs> that's true. Tangential. Okay. I just... <laughs> it's just... There's so much time spent on it. Yeah. The amount well, of time it really is, is, is just amazing. Bigfoot. We're not even. Yeah, we're not even, even the others. We're not even really dove into Chupacabra yet. No. I mean, that's a whole other thing. Um, actually, Chupacabra is kind of part of a different culture. It's more of the southwest. the southwest culture, um, primarily Mexico. I mean, it's Chupacabra. It's a. It's a. I think Espanol for goat, goat eater, goat killer. I don't know. Dang we it. could sit here and Google it. I mean, it doesn't matter yeah. that much. So we're talking about the why. Yeah, but... Um, Damn it, I had goats. It's a different culture. And then Yeti, I think, was more of a... Kind of like a Nordic thing. Well, I'm not entirely sure. I, Yeti is Sorry, guys, I'm not an expert here. Oh, don't be I sorry. just know that here where I live, we don't talk about Yeti. No. We talk about Bigfoot. You know. It is our region's yeah. cryptozoological creature. Yeah. Um, Big time. But other cultures have their tales of the Yeti, and we've all heard it at least a little bit. You know, I'm just, I'm, I've never it. really went down the Yeti rabbit hole because I don't live in the tundra. You know, I'm not, I don't live in Siberia. You don't live in Nepal? Yeah, exactly. Have you ever been there? <laughs> no. <laughs> I totally like to go there. I, I've never left the Pacific Northwest except to go to California once for a week, and that was about it. This... Other than that, it's always been, you know, Washington, Idaho, Alaska, so... My cryptozoology uh, of choice would be Bigfoot. Yeah. So, but I do, like I said, I want to talk about Chupacabra a little bit because um, that one is the one that seems to present the most danger as far as their legends, um, just from what I've heard. Because it like it doesn't only eat ghosts, because apparent or ghosts, goats. It doesn't just eat goats. Apparently, it has been known to eat people and children. Yay. And that's, you know, you're, as a kid, you hear the Chupacabra story and it's your parents telling you like, oh, this, be careful, watch out for the Chupacabra, you know, when you're out walking alone. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, what the heck's a Chupacabra? <laughs> oh yeah, that's the goat eater. Yeah. And it'll just, you know, and then have you ever seen like a rendered image of what people think it looks like? I've never actually seen, like, there's a lot of blurry Bigfoot videos. I've never seen a blurry Chupacabra video. There's been ones where you're clearly a coyote yeah. or something, but I've never seen a real convincing Chupacabra video, but I've seen a lot of rendered images of what people think it looks like. And it's terrifying. Like it's the most terrifying of all of the cryptozoological things. Yeah, the little goat vampire personally. definitely is not something I want to run yeah. across. And I had goats for fifteen years. I would have loved to seen a chupacabra. <laughs> like, come visit, bro. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's and and then there's I think there's Dogman. That's one that's back in Appalachia. Yeah, I. This is the some... first I've ever heard of Dogman. Is when you started telling me about this when we were planning the episode. Yeah. So I, I definitely need to hear a little bit about Dogman. Well, and he's. And I don't even know that much about him. It's just something that, like, I absently heard when Tom's listening to his 
you know, cryptozoological podcasts or YouTube videos, they talk about dogman a lot in the mall. I didn't even know, you know, you know, werewolves. Those are dogmen, right? Mm -hmm. But this is an actual guy, creature that's out there in the shrubbery. And I'm just thinking, well, and like I said, I've spent a lot of time in the woods. And there, your brain does attribute certain noises. I think, like you said, with ghost stories earlier, that makes a lot of sense. You trying to make sense out of things or your brain's hyperactive and is trying to assign logic reasons and file everything based on what you're hearing. And when yeah. you're when you're out of a normal situation, you are hypersensitive. Oh, yeah. Like when I sleep in the woods, I am hearing everything. Yeah. Like you know? your brain goes into that mode. Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's like a it's got to be like a protection thing. It must. Like, yeah, I am not in my comfort zone right now, so I need to be alert. Which is so funny because it's probably ten times more dangerous to be downtown in an inner city sleeping in a hammock than it is in the backwoods, but I don't know. <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually can attest that that is true. Like, oh, okay. I've, I've felt like I was in a bit of danger in the woods before. I have never felt more scared than just walking alone downtown at night in a city, in Spokane specifically. Oh, yeah. The, the, uh, the I, that is when I'm the most alert, the most scared. I've been out in the middle of the night in the middle of the woods before, and I get a little nervous. You're like, okay, you know, what if I see a bear? What if I see a wolf? You know, mm -hmm. How fast can I really run? But when you get into a situation like the city, it's a little bit more terrifying, personally. But I, I digress. Yes. Well, no, I, I brought it up. It's just I think that that's part of this. I just don't know... I don't know where we're going with it as a people, too, because it seems to... It has grown exponentially. When I was a kid, you know, Harry and the Hendersons, there there was a Bigfoot <laughs> movie, you know, and he was always part of our culture here in the Pacific Northwest. Now it has become a lifestyle. Kind of, yeah. For some... for And it's growing in popularity. <laughs> I see a lot... I mean, there is a whole subculture of clothing just for Bigfoot. I mean, you see it everywhere. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. And, I mean... There was like a, a beef jerky commercial. Yeah. You know, there's there's a bit of like he's the butt of jokes. Yeah. But there's also a bit of like people who just really dive into that idea. Well, and, and I suppose they're, they're no different than people that are like rock collectors or, you know, entomologists. Or, I guess all of yeah. us have our thing that does it for us. Yeah, we all have a little bit of a niche of something that we kind of dive into. I mean. Yeah, it's, but I think, yeah, I guess Bigfoot has to be one of those things. So weird. Um, I don't think there's as many people obsessed with the Loch Ness Monster. No. It's more of a tourist trap now, I think. Well, I, I think I it used something. to be more fascinating. and Maybe there even used to be a Loch Ness Monster, but I mean, they haven't... I haven't seen any definitive proof of any of these things. That's my only thing. I've seen a lot of possible evidence. Yeah, me but too. But then you have all the hoaxes thrown in, and that's something we definitely have to talk about when we're on this subject. Oh, yeah, and hoaxes. it's not just Bigfoot. Every... One of these things has some kind of people who've submitted this official evidence, supposedly, mm -hmm. and then it gets debunked, and, you know, you put on your tinfoil hat, and it's like, it's a cover-up, you know, they just don't want you to know it's real because it was an experiment that escaped from a lab, and, I mean, I could go all day, but Bigfoot definitely has the most of that that you see on, like, the Discovery Channel and all these other authoritative information sources. Yeah. But... There has been way too many hoaxes thrown in there. A lot of the people who submit this stuff, it's just not real. They completely faked it. A lot of yeah. them admit to faking it. Just to get views. Just yeah. to get clicks, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Joe Rogan and Duncan Trussell did a show where they were you know, investigating these kind of things. And they actually went and found some of the more convincing footage of Bigfoot. And they went and found and tracked down the guy who made it. And basically, it just the guy was a complete 
like nut job pretty much. You could tell he was just trying to get attention and stuff like that. And, you know, I wouldn't say it was a technically completely debunked, but just to meet the guy behind everything, you kind of realize, no, oh, no, that guy's not all there. Well, you know, and I think that a lot of people get categorized into that where you're trying to tell your Bigfoot story, but you're, you just kind of seem crazy. And then you have all the, the people who faked it. So like just automatically people associate, oh, you're just talking about the hoax. It's just a guy in a suit. I think it's so horrible that people are invalidated because of other people's bad behavior. Yeah. It really annoys me. It's like, well, if this person, and if you know that person to be a genuine person, which is hard to do with strangers, I get over the internet or whatever, but <laughs> if you know someone to be a genuine person and they tell you a story and you just say, oh, well, that's stupid. I guess that's what I'm trying to be really careful not to do because from listening to, there's a guy in Canada that Tom listens to that he doesn't care about any of it other than he wants to have a platform for people to tell their stories because some people are really scared by this. Like, can you imagine walking in the woods and coming across a nine or ten foot tall being? Oh, yeah. You'd wet yourself. Yeah. I don't, none of us would, especially if it screeched or, I mean, you're going to be scared. And so to to have people mock you or invalidate you because of these hoaxers, it really bothers me. And I think that that happens in aliens. And I also think another point is I'm kind of fascinated about what's going to come next because as we progress as a species and we explain things, then we have to have new mythos. Yeah. And it's like, so what's going to happen you know. Yeah, I haven't personally seen cryptozoology evolve yet. We've it's, we've stuck with these same stories that we've That's heard true. since we were kids, and they've yeah. been around for hundreds of years. Some of them. Bigfoot. I I know personally. Bigfoot is a really one of the oldest tales of cryptozoology. Mm-hmm. Well, and there is some theory. I I'm sort of remembering some stuff now that they don't want to attribute government. This is a conspiracy theory. Human rights to Bigfoot <laughs> because then you know. The only reason they haven't went in and killed them all, that they do exist, is because they um, don't want to attribute human rights, that environmentalists would come in and make everything their sacred living ground. Uh We wouldn't be able to do any of the things we need to do for natural resources. I mean, there's all of this stuff happening. Yeah, it'll become like uh, more of the forest land or national parks will become like more of uh, conservation. It'll be off limits. Yeah, exactly. And And, uh, the subsidized lumber industry would suffer. Well, <laughs> oh boy, that's... Sorry, a, tinfoil hats no, on again. <laughs> it's okay. No, I like tinfoil hats. Well, and I think that that's something that ne- definitely needs to be discussed, is what are we going to do? What, you know, I think about sometimes, what if Bigfoot Bob just walked out one day and said, hey, what's up? You know, I've been here the whole time, you idiots. What yeah. would happen? No, okay. Definitely have to talk about this because I've thought about it a lot. Oh, okay, good. I, I have. have to. <laughs> like, anytime it gets brought up, I think in the back of my head about this like what if bigfoot was real let's talk about that for a second i agree what would happen it's it comes out it's completely real like we have all this proof of we actually have one and it's for sure okay yeah. it's on the news all over biggest story of the freaking century yeah pretty much because we've all wondered yeah. you know it's one of those things what exactly happens after that where do we go from there like do, do we try to coexist like we'll some people think we're just going to go and declare war on them. Like, have, have you ever heard people talk about if aliens were real and we're the government gonna... confirmed it? Like, we're just going to declare war on them. No, are we going to do that with Bigfoot or like, what's going to happen? Like, are they going to are they going to sanction off the forest and say this is off limits because that's Bigfoot's home now? Like, yeah, oh, we've written really good with treaties and we're really good at sharing yeah, space. Yeah, but as I mean, think like, about yeah, that's going to work. Think about someone who we have no way of actually communicating with, like that movie Arrival. Oh, yeah. Oh, where yeah. the aliens come down and they have to get all these linguistic experts together to try to figure out how in the world we're going to talk to these things and get points across and how they operate with language. We're going to have a dance battle. Yeah, so that'll... that'll, that'll, that'll yeah, we're going <laughs> to... Sorry, that's just... <laughs> that's 
<laughs> or just right imagine here. the dance off with Bigfoot. Okay, you just you just came the next big Hollywood movie. It's I think right happen, there, Dan- you know, Bigfoot dance off. The reveal. Yeah, in a world where Bigfoot is real. Oh my gosh, the tagline. <laughs> Let's get ready for a dance oomps, battle. Oomps, oomps, oomps. <laughs> hey, he's got some free. He's the man. Locks. He's the myth. <laughs> He's <laughs> the out, dancing champion of the world. I don't know. Bring out your best. We're gonna get lit. Like what you even do? That's probably the best uh, little image in my head I've ever had. Uh, of you're Bigfoot. welcome. Bigfoot, like in the dance attire. Well, and I think you, you gotta bring some levity. Oh man, some bell bottoms. Yeah. Okay. If any of you out there create YouTube comment are listening, or if you guys create YouTube content and you're listening to this, please make a video of Bigfoot break dancing. I will get I have everyone to see I this know now. to If it doesn't that. already exist, it has to now. <laughs> oh, I really... That is the best image of all time. <laughs> He's on some cardboard. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> Sorry. So... We digressed hard But there. really, though, like, what would happen if, like, Chupacabra was real or the... I mean... Loch Ness Monster being real. Again, I think Loch Ness is probably the most boring of all these. I don't know why. It's like, it's stuck in this lake and this lake is already heavily explored like come on I've watched but even if it was like let's just say it was real and or chupacabra's real or even all of them are real let's just throw the whole medley in the mix and they all be confirmed as real mm-hmm. and like what exactly do we do as a world it, it'll probably be very exciting for like a few weeks before it gets buried with other news stories and mm-hmm. then you know cool and then what it's just life goes on as normal but we also have bigfoot going on and... no i've watched jurassic park it would be exploited <laughs> that's what i think maybe you know <laughs> like i think maybe it would be exploited like they're gonna start a zoo what? like it is called cryptozoology or does that species, once it becomes verifiable in its existence, get moved over to the you know scientific classification? Do they get jerked out of cryptozoology, like when and just become part of a, the great a world species? of biology? Yeah, yeah a, like, a part of a genus group yeah. that that just gets added to the list of them. Now I don't know. That's a good question. What like, would happen? Or, yeah, and then what? Like okay, so Bigfoot's real, let's say, and they've studied it and find out that it is a completely unique species has no evolutionary ties to us and then where do we go from there oh then the people that believe it's an alien oh it's over then is it an alien do we classify it as an alien because alien means out like not from this world you know oh it'd have to be carbon based look at all that hair oh yeah (laughs) no bigfoot specifically if bigfoot exists it has to be you know i it's so humanoid there's something human about bigfoot that we attribute he could totally rock his own yeah. uh, hair care products. Dude would be oh rich. Oh my god, he would yeah. be rich, yeah. Dude, mane yeah. and tail, but Bigfoot version. Mm-hmm. He'd be on it. But, yeah, would we try to, like, would we try to commercialize products for Bigfoot? We already commercialized Are we going to get pets? Him? Are we going to get him as pets? Oh. Can I have a pet chupacabra? I don't... Mm. Like, can you domesticate this them? This is my attack chupacabra. What, we, what like, can we breed Bigfoot with? Like, these are real questions. Like, if it was real, we gotta... This kind of thing would be happening. Like, do you think we would that breed Bigfoots. Like, it would happen. I kind of have to go down a yeah. uh, rabbit trail after oh, this. Okay. Because, well, no, I want to know... People have probably talked about this. What would we do if he just, like, walked out tomorrow... I feel like humans would exploit it because we already exploit yeah. him as a non-existent, you know, to science. I'm not saying he doesn't exist. Right, guys, right, right. But we've already exploited him as a mythical creature. So would it be 10 times worse if yeah. he walked out? Like I said, I've watched Jurassic World. Yeah. I know what happens. Well, okay. I'm sorry. I have to bring this up. Okay. No, don't be sorry. And it's it's even worse now that we're talking about if Bigfoot was real. Okay. Because if you go on Amazon.com okay. and you type in Bigfoot erotic novels 
Oh, you God. will, your jaw will drop at just the sheer amount of results that you will get from that search term. And so if Bigfoot's real, uh, some ladies are going to be very happy. You should Maybe. see my face right now. <laughs> the look of horror. It's like I literally, you know, I, and, and see, this is what's great about the show. I learn something new every day of my life. I had a professor that said there's always something to learn. Mm-hmm. And that is my goal to go through my entire life and never become arrogant because there's I learned there's Bigfoot erotica. I mean... It's, it's a very real thing. And I had to bring that because we were talking about exploiting Bigfoot as a myth. Are we going to have... There's no better way to exploit Bigfoot Ooh. as a myth than writing, you know, erotic fan fiction. The Pornhub <laughs> section. Erotic fans... I just don't even want to know. I need more coffee. It's scary. Okay, well, <laughs> it's scary. And what else would they do? Like, would there be... I'm sure there will be biological uh, experimentation. Like, uh, what's... Th- there's a word for it where you... A like literally. Well, no, the, there's that too. We can talk about that in a minute. But like, um, where you basically perform an autopsy while somebody's still alive. There's oh, that's a, a vivisection. A vivisection, yes. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I live to see. I'm sure that would happen. <laughs> you know, because they don't technically have rights under our written laws, do they? I mean, okay, vivisection. Dogs is the worst. barely do. Most of medical science advancements, especially when we started the Age of Enlightenment, like there's a Neil Stevenson book called The Baroque Cycle, and it, there's an image in it that haunts me. They vivisected a dog, and the dog's alive, and this, these doctors for hours. This was in the 1600s, like during Isaac Newton. They're just working on this dog, and this dog's howling. It's like, holy cow, would we still do that? You know, we like to think we live in an enlightened age where we care about species. That traumatizes me. The yeah. idea that poor Bigfoot, now I'm thinking about Bigfoot spread out on a table, and they're like, hey, what's this do? It's yeah. like, would we do that? Possibly. I mean, I would not doubt it. Oh, gross. At least in, just think it, just in thought, no. Okay, Bigfoot. In reality, it might just... be really different because we might impose lo- uh, rights upon them, at least some sort of animal rights, because there is animal rights experts, and they'll defend the smallest of amoebas. That's true. And so, I mean, Big, Bigfoot came out real, they'd be, all, they'd be all over it, man. There'd be riots in the streets of those animal rights experts like, give Bigfoot equal rights. I don't know. Well, Bigfoot, if you're listening, you might want to stay hidden until we advance a little more. Because... Yeah, maybe we should Maybe <laughs> we should come up with some hypotheticals and write it into the Constitution. I don't know. Well, <laughs> and, and I think the big thing is, is he going to be hu- classified as human? This particular I, species? Or is it prime? I you think we, we, would, we would have to study them a lot. If they end up being real, you have to do a lot of study to, to kind of place them in a category of some sort. But let's say hypothetically that Bigfoot's a sentient being or some okay. sort of intelligence. They have language that they they have culture and society of their own. What happens then? Well, I think they. What have do to we be try to do? Do we just recognize? Do we give them a country? Like what well, do they do? Like they... is it their land? What do they do? They, do they, they can't. Ex- they can't exactly lands? pull out a machine gun and, st- and start defending their property like well, we I can. Think... I think that we should learn from the past mm. and have we have an obligation if we discovered any new humanoids. Mm. Let's just say, for argument's sake, that we should totally make sure we don't repeat what we did before as a species. Mm. I, I would hope. Well, my, my worry, and the reason I brought this up, is uh, if we find out they're sentient and intelligent and you know pretty competent in things, I just have a weird feeling that we might enslave them. Or destroy them. Or destroy them. Or maybe destroy them because we enslaved them. I don't know. Well, I just I always leave had them this, alone. I always had this thought with aliens, too. Like, if we found out there was aliens living up on the moon and it was pretty easy to transport them down here, we would probably, if we could overpower them, let's say, 
they're not like they don't have advanced technology like freaking laser guns or something and they can't destroy us we would most likely exploit them for labor because mm. we i mean we've done that to ourselves yeah plenty it's of all times over we're still doing it to this day i can't believe we live in a world where slavery still exists and we we're, I, I think we should have an episode about that someday but yes wage slavery i just have like that's why about. i have a feeling yeah wage slavery yeah, yeah i want to talk about that but that's why i have a feeling that we would exploit bigfoot in a bad way or i again I, i'm sorry that we're leaning so towards bigfoot you guys it's that's our thing up here it's what we know the most about yeah uh, i just also don't see chupacabra being relevant to some of these because it's not like we can put chupacabra to work but then again let's talk about that because dogs do work for us on the farm the ch- bomb sniffing chupacabra oh sorry, god it's just oh thank you <laughs> Or no, cadaver. He'd be able to be a cadaver sniffing yeah. chupacabra yeah. because or, he likes blood. Or soldiers. Maybe we need to we, talk about We would about put them in warfare. As we as a species seem to exploit everything because this is kind of what this episode's devolved into. Is <laughs> you know that, what we do? We're tool makers, aren't we? <laughs> we That's are. kind of it's our like, thing. And so, of course, when we see an animal that might be useful for something, we're going to train it to be useful for I that just, thing. I'm sorry, yeah. but I got well, deploy at, the chupacabra. <laughs> okay, I think we would. Like, If a chupacabra was useful on a farm, don't you think we would use chupacabras on a farm? I know that if Bigfoot was around uh, as a short person, I would have him grab every everything i mean like bro i need that game on the top shelf i will make you cookies but see i believe in equal exchange (laughs) of goods like i would never want to enslave anybody i'm sorry i just killed you so do you think bigfoot would be a republican or a democrat (laughs) oh my gosh i it depends on how tribalist well he might be an environmentalist he likes nature so he's probably gonna lean left on Do do you think they would be employed in the forestry industry Bigfoot forest rangers. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine driving into a campground in the national park and he's like, "No fires." I mean, you would totally not. Yeah. Oh, sorry, argue Smokey with that. the Bear, you're out of the out of the game, man. Yeah, you're Bigfoot out. Bob. Is... Bigfoot Bob is way better. I just find it fascinating that that is where our minds went. That we would exploit something if it was new, and that makes me kind of sad that maybe we haven't come as far as we yeah. Need it, to it, maybe yet. maybe it's just us though. <laughs> Could just be us. No, I think that's a, I think that's a pretty heavy norm in our culture in all yeah. not just our culture i think just humans as a whole yeah oh do you think we could ever have a sasquatch president i would totally vote for him yeah or her yeah well do sasquatches and that's another thing we don't even know okay one we don't know they exist but some people have seen them so by default something has to exist yeah and then now we're like attributing you know gender to them are they gonna have issues with gender definitions like we are their I whole no, like how long do you think it'll take for them to become a part of our culture? Do we want them to? Though? Do we want them to? Is a really good question. Do we want to wreck their? Because okay, if they do exist, they have existed outside the realm of our influence for this entire time. Do we want to wreck that? Yeah. Do they even? They have to know we exist too. Oh, that. Sorry, I just got an image like they. Imagine Bigfoot, and they have their own little culture out there, and they have their own little podcasts, and they're sitting there talking about. We had another human sighting. Them and their Let's super- talk about them. <laughs> them and their Subarus. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're coming in. They're- Sorry, go ahead. That's okay. It's just funny to think about that, too. Like, just the- think about it from their point of view a little bit, too. Like, uh, do they see us as cryptozoology, in a sense? Maybe they don't have the same words for it or a good way of explaining it, but they have that same feeling, right? Because cryptozoology is almost, a- it almost has a feeling to it. 
It does. Well, and, and there's infinitely more of us than them. If they do exist, there can't be that many family groups. I mean... No, they're definitely on, on the margin there. Yeah, I think that we far, far out. And maybe that's the problem with a lot of this too, is the sense of wonder is disappearing as the sense of discovery is increasing. Or not the, yeah. the act of discovery. Because the world is becoming a smaller place. We do discover new things every day, but look at, we're trying to get off world to discover new things because... Yeah, and, and have you seen some of the stuff they've discovered in space? It's kind of boring. Yeah, it's not oh as exciting. Oh my god, rocks. Cool, <laughs> well, that like, planet is rock. Oh, there's an element on the periodic table in this asteroid. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. But that, I think maybe cryptozoology ties into that whole thing about like why we even come up with conspiracy theories. Because I think we just want the world to be more interesting. Oh, so this is about boredom. It, I think possibly, yes. Okay. Well, I mean, really, if you had to really wrap it up, tie a bow around it, I think the bow would be made of boredom. Well, think about it. When you're a kid, I don't know, I can only use my anecdotal evidence here, but I was not human until I was probably about 12 or 13. I pretty much was an animal the whole time. I'm not going to lie, people. I know <laughs> that sounds weird, but I flew with my blanket. I was a pegasus. I had a tail made out of a tree, and I ran for miles in the woods, the Pacific Northwest woods, ideally, or Alaska. And yep. I've made believe. And I think that just because you become an adult, you're supposed to be in all these little boxes that show your brain's matured and that you're a productive member of society, but you don't lose that sense of wonder. You don't lose that sense of imagination. And maybe this is our, you know, you got comic, like Comic-Cons or cons yeah, in general. Yeah. You dress up and you want to pretend to be something else. And I feel like this ties in with that too. There's got to be magic out there or life is boring. And I think that's just a part of being human. It's got to be part of our nature mm -hmm. because... It just naturally what happens when you're a kid. You just have this overactive imagination. Your you're trying brain to make is just firing. And what it is is your frame of reference, yeah. I think. It comes from your frame of reference. And I think as your frame of reference expands, mm -hmm. just the way your imagination comes up with these kind of things changes a little bit. And this might be as far as it can be refined, as far as our mystical like proclivity. Well, and that makes a lot of sense to me because, you know... Your imagination takes a beating as you're told to do all of these things that you need to do to, to navigate yeah. the world as you mature. And also your brain does mature. So I know that, but it's like, you still don't lose. There are days that I'm like, what would it be like if I just put a sock on my goat? You know, put some <laughs> shoes on that guy and just let him just wander around. Would he like it? Would yeah. he eat the socks? Like, yeah. do you have thoughts like that? Just random weird stuff. And you can't oh, talk, of course. you can't talk to other grownups about it because they're like, well, that person needs to take some Adderall or something. You know, it's... Yeah, well, some, some people have even, I think, more creative ones like that. Like, you want to put a sock on a goat, but look at Midnight Gospel on Netflix. Well, yeah. Well, I was trying to Talk be as about mundane. Talk a sock on a goat. I was trying to be as mundane as possible. <laughs> well, they're taking every weird image in their brains and then superimposing actual topics that we all want to talk about or yeah. maybe have thought about in this really neat mashup of ideas. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like we all have that inside of us. We still want to look at the world through a filter of amazement, of wonder. Well, and the more you learn what's real and what's not real as far as like hard evidence mm -hmm. the less Wonder that them. imagination applies so it kind of like drowns it out but you can still like it's weird because we know what's real what's not real, but we can actually still make up these things that are completely fictional and worlds you know what i mean look at video games for example i mean oh, yeah delve into fantasy an or anime if you've ever seen anime yep there's a lot of what the heck am i watching right now <laughs> and i think and it, like there's a lot of books like that like what did i just read yeah, and you're just like, like... What in the world? And instead of being, you know, coming down on that person, 
it's thinking, well, that's how that person is making sense of the world and having an enjoyable moment. And that's with yeah. cryptozoology. I, anybody that's into it, I'm totally cool with it. You go hard. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, Again, we're all guilty. Come yeah. on. We've all been up at three in the morning on yeah. YouTube. Oh, all of us. And and it's and I think it's a good thing. I think that we need to all... Re- I think we all need to rediscover our sense of wonder a lot of the time. I yeah. Do, because yeah. It, it's so easy. I get down those... My day, as you know, I'm slightly busy. It gets so hard to pull yourself out of that to-do list cycle and that productivity cycle and to just go into creative mode. Yeah. And just spend time, you know, with, with Bigfoot. If that is something that interests you... Go ahead and think about having a tea party with him and Johnny Depp in the woods. I mean, that could be fun. Yeah, but but for the love of God, people, leave it a tea party. Don't don't evolve into Bigfoot erotic novels. No, I need to forever not know that that yeah. existed. There are some things I could live my whole There's life. There's a line that I we mean, need to like, draw. People. Is there going to be a Bigfoot waxing line? Like what? Ooh, that would be painful. I know, but... All that hair. But we know how it Ooh, is. Bigfoot barbershops. Bigfoot barbershop. Mm-hmm. Do you think they would make good barbers? Just... I'm just trying to dig Bigfoot in, like, this classic mm-hmm. barbershop for old dudes. Yeah. And he's just in there, like, high and tight. Dreads, what you yeah. want, bro? You oh, know? oh, shout out to Dollar Shave Club. We're not sponsored at all or anything. But if Bigfoot be real, Dollar Shave Club, you guys have to, uh, you know, rethink your marketing a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. Or the manscaper thing. Yeah, manscaping. <laughs> oh, goodness. That would be beautiful. Yeah, oh, just imagine the razor technology that would develop just trying to shave Bigfoot. I think I want Bigfoot to be real just for the hair care aspect. Yeah. I mean, now yeah. that I think about it, just the sheer volume of products that could be oh, my goodness, benefit us yeah. both. Mutual benefit, it would be amazing. Yeah. Do you think, sorry, we ha- I'm sorry we went back into this, guys, but like, <laughs> it just keeps if Bigfoot's up. real and we found them and there's a lot of them, what do you think we would, like... What do you think we would farm out of them? Do you think their hair could be useful for something? Locks of love. What if there's this special chemical in their teeth when you grind their teeth down and it like is like some kind of a medical breakthrough for us? No. Well, look at what we do with other animals. I'm traumatized right now. All the poaching in Africa and they take just like the, uh, I don't know. I don't know how much of this is real, but they'll like, there's this animal's like testicles that this one culture eats and it's like a delicacy well, that somehow rhino horns. Get, or is it rhino horns maybe it's that's rhino an horns. aphrodisiac isn't it or to that's make your male, that might be what i'm thinking male of prowess but they it's like of course we're gonna do those bigfoot so there's gonna be poaching going on i don't like poaching people poach everything I, I i like circle of life stuff like you eat me i eat you you know <laughs> I, I i that yeah. kind of thing but the poaching thing yeah we probably would poach bigfoot wouldn't mm. we yeah, probably. Why would we do that, though? What is our problem? Yeah. I was just thinking, well, here we were thinking like modern people or postmodern people that, huh, what products could we exploit out of you? But I'm sure that would happen, I though. feel like, but I, I don't know. I don't know if I, that's why I'm just saying Bigfoot, if you're listening, just stay hidden, man. Yeah, you can. You might want to just stay out there. We got, we got a little ways to go. Don't come into the cities. You won't like it here. You won't like it It's here. a very scary place. <laughs> like, we're, we're, we are your, chirp, we are your chupacabra. Ooh, so, you know, ooh. think about that for We a are your Rona. Yeah. Yeah, do not come in here. <laughs> you think Bigfoot can get the Rona? I don't know. It's... Uh, I think it, all mammals can Has get... it jumped to Loch Ness Monsters yet? Oh, gosh. Loch Ness Rona? That water is going to be snotty. Boy, scary. Yeah, that's yeah, not... Stay out good. of the lakes, everybody. That's yep. just what... That's all I have to say. Stay out of... That might be a good place to end this. Yeah, let's wrap it up there. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We're going to be ending every episode reading a Bigfoot erotica novel. Today's reading comes from 
Bigfoot and the Bridesmaid. 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 Oh, I'm so ashamed right now. Psych, we're actually going to be ending with a positive news story. Today's news story comes from thegoodnewsnetwork.org, and it's called Wild Bison Are Returning to England's Forest for the First Time in 6,000 Years. And I thought it'd be good to talk about this story because we were talking about cryptozoology and mythical creatures, and these uh, wild bison haven't been in England's forest for 6,000 years, which I think is kind of amazing that we're bringing them back. So next spring, in 2022, the bison are going to be reintroduced into this forest in Kent, and what's really cool about it is I didn't know this, but bison are forestry experts and they can reinvigorate a declining ecosystem. You should give it a check out. Thanks again for listening and make sure you check out next week's episode where we talk about music. And I challenge you all to go back and listen to this episode again and let us know in the comments if you spot the cameo by Dogman. Links to some of the stuff we discussed in today's episode as well as the new story will be in the description. Make sure you subscribe if you like our content and smash that like button. Goodbye!